is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world, hosted by Christian Blatt. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blattcast. As always, I am Christian Blatt with a return guest, uh, Andy Smith. Andy, thanks for coming back. You got it, brother. I love talking Marvel movies and stuff, so... Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk Marvel. You know, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. We're gonna sneak in a little bit of DC because there's just too much news over there that uh, we can't ignore. Yeah. One day, I, I think of this whenever I talk to you. One day, we're just gonna do a show, and I'm gonna say this is for our, our visual audience. Andy, just spin around and tell us what's on that bookshelf. You know, just <laughs> stuff would... off, and we'll go through it. Oh my God, that would take so long. Yeah, well, I know that could be like a whole season of a series. Yeah. But, uh, and uh, before we uh, introduce your collaborator, compatriot, I do need to thank you. I sent you an email message recently to thank you for making sure that uh, I checked out Rob Liefeld's podcast, which you want to talk about somebody starting off strong in 2023, just going through comic book feuds. And uh, oh, my gosh, like every minute of it, it was just like. It was like sometimes when people have talked about other other creators, you're like, oh, that's why so and so didn't want to talk about Barry Windsor Smith. That Barry Windsor Smith stuff that he dropped was uh, I didn't know any of that. I've never met him, but I know people that that know him. Yeah, um, they've never dropped anything like that. Now they have, you know, if you ask what what do you think about Barry, they're just like, oh, Barry, he's crazy. But that that was about all they'd say. So you just yeah. chalk that up to, oh, well, you look at his art. He seems like he'd be eccentric or something. Sure. But, man, you hear that stuff that he was running his mouth on, and you're just like, man, dude, I like your work, but and, and you got to step back some. Like how around the Marvel bullpen they used to call him Barry Windbag because uh, he would just sit and talk and stay, you know, for, for the yeah. whole day. But uh, uh, also joining us. Uh, Dennis Turner. Dennis, thank you for taking the time. I am glad to be here. First time on the show. Live long and prosper, everybody. Sure, exactly. Please. You know, it's a it's a Marvel show. I've got the I've got the Doctor Who mug. You know, please. We we embrace uh I was gonna say we embrace all of it, but you not everything. Yeah, right, exactly. Today. Um, but uh Dennis, uh by way of introduction, uh Andy tells me you have uh every X-Men comic ever. Um, um, the question there is, uh, there's probably some over the last, uh, 20 years or so, maybe you'd like to give back, or do you just feel like you need to own them? <laughs> no, no, no. Isn't, isn't it that who that owns the most, you know? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I'm a completist. So the, the, the issue was I started collecting X-Men probably it was mid seventies. And, um, you know, I would just pick up the new ones and slowly work backwards and um i just had to eventually collect them all the hard part was when i got down to i only needed five issues oh one boy. two three four five i just kind of went backwards i picked up five you know i do a lot of conventions so all the dealers knew me and they're like hey i know you need four here's a really nice four that we got or here's a three and you know the hard part was getting the number one right so i wound up buying a slab number one and um it was funny. I wound up buying it. And then the guys over at CBCS the you know, the ones that slam, they're like, Oh, that's not ours. And I'm like, uh, no, well, you need to crack that. And I'm like, not a chance. <laughs> We've got next week. He goes, you're going to be down at uh, Megacon in Orlando. I said, yeah, 
we have a private signing with Stan Lee. And oh, we no. know that was your guy. I'm like, Stan Lee on my X-Men number one. So I bought it. I went down there. I was shaking. I cracked open my number one and got Stan to stand. You got to tell him what the grade was before you cracked it. A 9-0. And then it went down to an 8-5 after Stan signed it. So some right, people because, were really Because they graded cover. it and they looked and they're like, well, somebody scribbled on the cover. So now it's uh, right. it's gone down. An entire... Actually, so it was a, I can't imagine that a 9-0, and I know that, that getting into comic book grading is uh, is really getting in the weeds, but a 9-0 of, of X-Men 1, like you know the original X-Men 1, I wouldn't have even imagined that existed. And I guess yeah. it doesn't anymore because it's an eight five. <laughs> it, 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 that is correct. Some of the guys were really, um, really upset about that, and uh, and I'm like, I, I'm never selling it, so I don't yeah. care. Well, you lost money. Yeah, I don't think so. Not with Stan on there, but once again, I'm not selling it. Matter of no, fact, it's worth I, more I, to you with Stan having signed it. Absolutely, it's my pinnacle. It's the one book I said I always, always wanted. And of course, my daughter's like, "Oh, when you die, it's mine." And I'm like, "No, no, no, it's in my will. It's going in my grave." And she goes, "I got a shovel." <laughs> I'm sure he told me that he told me that story, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to have to beat up a girl now because <laughs> I'm right there next to her. I'm going to hit her with that shovel so I can start digging and grab it." Uh, so. I, I appreciate this comment in the chat from our pal Dominicus Saxon. Uh, opened or not, I'd say Stan the Man's signature would make it a 10.0. Uh, I agree with that. It, it, it's worth more to you unslabbed with Stan's signature. Uh, oh, no, than... it's slabbed again. Oh, you oh, re-slabbed yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's slab slabbed at an 8.5. And the cool thing was the story was, you know, Stan signed 1,100 books that weekend. So I got five signed, um, four other ones, you know. And he was at that age where, you know, when he signed it, it was in the big thick marker and you could tell it says Stan, but it wasn't good. Well, they gave him my number one. They said, Stan, he just picked this up last weekend. And he goes, a number one? He goes, yeah. And he goes, he just cracked it open so you would sign it. This is the only thing he wants on his book. Stan said, Excelsior, get me a new marker. They gave him a brand new Sharpie. And he signed it nice and slowly. It looks so much nicer than everything else that he signed. And I got goosebumps when the guys were telling me that because it was, like I said, a, a private signing that they had done. So when they handed the book to me, I was like, oh, it's fantastic. Oh, that is fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's interesting you're talking about working your way backwards. Uh, I started uh, collecting in uh, 1983. So the, the first That's issue insane. I bought was Uncanny 176, which is uh, mm -hmm. Scott Fights a Giant Squid. And uh, I've argued that it's the worst jumping on point uh, for the series. But uh, to that point, Chris Claremont disagreed and he said any issue was is a great issue to jump on. And I'm like, <laughs> and here's the thing, though, I did keep reading. So he's not entirely wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like I was like I, I read it and I was like, this makes no sense. And I never read it again. But uh, so eventually I did what you're talking about, started working my way backwards. And when it would be like oh, when my birthday would come around, especially like Christmas, you know, my in-laws, people would be like, what do you want? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Here's here's what I need working my way backwards. So it's like, yeah, I'll take, you know, uh, Uncanny 133, which I, I so I've stopped basically because right at like 129, it starts to get too expensive. But, uh, I, you know, I'll take 
I'll take very fine. You know, I don't need a mint copy on anything. Uh, but uh, so I've worked my way back to, uh, you know, like 137, the, the death of Phoenix yeah. was the one that at one point I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to quite get there. But then, you know, you, you just like, yeah, this is a good enough copy. And I, I got that signed by uh, Claremont and my, my Claremont signing story. Uh, the, the main one is uh, at a comic con in New York in like 1993, back when you didn't have to pay for signatures. Yeah. Uh, there was a limit. There were 10 books, but I had like 30 books and I was very smart. I brought his novel called first flight to have it signed. So he said to me, you bought my book. I'll sign all of these. And I was like, yes. So, <laughs> so wait, how many did you get him to sign? 30. Oh, 30. And, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so well, to, you know, a that's a, pile. yeah, that's very, that's a smart way to go. Suck, suck up with a book that, yeah. you know, and most way, people I, wouldn't I have. I enjoyed that book when I was like 12 or whatever, when it came out, I, I honestly couldn't tell you that I remember much about it, but um, in any case, um, I, uh, so, but it's like signatures from that era. They're not, they're not authenticated. They're also no. not really with Sharpies. Like the one, like he used like a gold marker and it, it's his signature. You know it if you've oh, ever yeah. seen it. But, and I was just like, I, I don't, I don't like, can I, can I get them authenticated after the fact? And then I was like, what am I doing? Am I, am I really trying to sell these? You know, like, why did I right, get, right. Why did I get both issues of Days of Future Past signed so that I could so that I could sell them or so that, you know, one day I could put them up on the wall or something anyway. Right. Um, so there's uh, some friends saying hello in the chat, by the way. Joe Bernardo says hello, hey, Joe. And heading back, uh, Brian Blevins says, I've been waiting my whole life for this episode. So uh, and I'm sorry, Dennis, I talked over you. What were you going to oh, say? That's OK. I was my fault. I was going to say they used to sign them with um, not on the cover. They would open up the oh, right. front cover and they would sign them with a ballpoint pen. That's how Chris Claremont signed my first copy when I was a kid. Didn't even know it was Chris Claremont. And it was a, it was a cool story. But And I'm like, oh, my God, you're going to sign my book? And, yeah, they just signed him with a pen on the yeah. inside cover. Yeah, I have uh, – I have. Um, it's not a particularly valuable book, but I have uh, Uncanny 153, which is K Kitty's bedtime mm -hmm. story, on the inside, signed by Dave Cockrum. And then oh, signed cool. by Claremont on the outside. I probably should have had Claremont signed on the inside so that it was next to each other. Um, my favorite inside signature, though, is uh, Punisher number one, the ongoing number one, not the miniseries. And then uh, I had Klaus Janssen sign it. But mm -hmm. I had him, like, turn to, like, I don't know, like, the third or fourth page because it was, like, a full, like, splash of like, oh, yeah. Punisher. I was like, can you sign it by his boot? And he's like, sure, no problem. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. We, you know, you ask us where to sign stuff. I always ask people, where do you want it signed? Cover, inside, whatever. Because, you know, everybody's different and stuff, so... Yeah, no, I know. And then, and obviously the last thing you want to do is like sign it somewhere they don't want. I mean, I, a lot of times the logo of the book seems to be a good place to sign it, you mm -hmm. know, because you're not actually yeah. you know, obscuring the, uh, the artwork. Um, so are there, uh, so, I mean, first of all, having a, a, an uncanny uh, one, am I allowed to ask you how much you spent for it, Dennis? I will put it this way. Sure. <laughs> My wife said, because she knew I was down to my last one, and one of the local vendors had brought one in, and he said, Dennis, hey, we got a number one in. We know it's your last one. So I went and looked at it. My wife was with me, and it was a rag. It really was. And she goes, that garbage-looking one is 
$4,400. And I'm like, uh, yep. And she goes, you know what? Just go buy a good one. And I was like, what do you mean by good? Because good actually is an industry standard term. Which means that comic book might have been a good right there, which is $4,400. She finally said, just go spend whatever you want, you know, but be reasonable. Wow. So when I came across this book, it was it was almost too good to be true. So I, I did. I, I came home and I showed her and she's looking at it and she's like, because she worked conventions with me for a while. So she understands this enough. And she goes, I told you to buy a comic book, not a car. <laughs> That's so, so funny because the next thing I was going to say was uh, when it comes time for a new car, you know, you can show her a, a sensible Hyundai or, you know, a Passat. And uh, yeah, like, you know, this is this is like the beat up X-Men number one. So uh, we're talking car prices, which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call it a small car. Let's put it that okay. way. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Most I've ever spent on anything other than a house yeah. or a car. I I wanted an uh, Amazing Spider-Man 121, which is Death of Gwen Stacy. I don't say this for you oh, guys, yeah. just to make sure everybody knows. It was on a wall at the local comic shop, and I saw it, and it was only two hundred dollars. And I looked at it, and I was like, it's "Ah, bad. it's kind of beat up. It's kind of beat up." Oh, it was like, beat I, up. I don't a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know. And then I was like, ah, "What am I going to do? Spend two hundred dollars on that?" So I was like, "No, that's okay. Thanks." And um. I ended up going in the next day and paying $200 cash for it because I thought about it for that whole day. Be, you know, after I left, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what, like how many times is that up on the wall for only $200? And I, and I didn't, you know, and the thing is with those books, see, this is something my wife just will never get is, uh, cause Dennis and I do a podcast and we did a show on this about comics for investment. And obviously a book like that, uh, Dennis has quite a few books besides his X-Men run, and I've got a number two, uh, a number of books as well that you definitely buy because you want it, but you also know that it will not go down in value. It'll just go up, right. yeah. you know, and that is one of those books. It'll just go up, you know. I texted my wife uh, at a convention I was at last year. I was looking around, and everybody has giant size X-Men on their back wall, you know, and this guy had one. I can't remember the condition it was in. I'm, I'll say the price, and I'm sure Dennis could probably guess what grade it was. But it was like five grand for giant size number one. So what's that like a five zero maybe six zero? That's a mid grade. Yeah. yeah. So I texted it to my wife, and I and I just sent her that picture, and she goes, "No." And I <laughs> I wrote back, and I go, "But you don't understand." And I was being serious. I said. I can guarantee in a decade this book will be double that. She's like, I'd rather have a kitchen. And I'm like, a kitchen will not be double that in, in a decade. And so I don't have it, but she doesn't understand. So, you know, the most I've spent on a book is, uh, I think it's for the, I have Wiz Comics 22, which is the only cover that has Shazam at, or Captain Marvel and Billy Batson next to each other. It's that famous oh, cover. Right, right. And I got that I got that as a four five for a thousand. And that's the most I've spent on a book. You know. Yeah, and I mean, but then like you're saying, is I'm sure that uh at some point 
it will be or has already been worth more than you paid for it, you know? Right. So it's, and, uh, and you're and not you looking can, to get rid of it, but if, if, no, if you need to. not anytime soon. Reason. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I don't know if you know this, but you can look up to see how many copies of a certain book are out there that are slabbed. So for that book that I have, I think, for, if I remember correctly, there's only like six or seven of them in existence that are slabbed. Yeah, because they all have serial numbers and stuff. And the funny thing is, I know a friend of mine has one. I have one. Another friend of mine has three of them. Wow. <laughs> so, so if that number holds true, there's only a couple more out there, and I don't know who owns them, but I know the majority of owners. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a uh, you know look. We can talk about uh, you know fines at uh, conventions and you know. Uh, there's a there's a lot more stories about books and you know not sure fun, you know and uh, uh you know within the last year uh, i was like i'm not spending 700 dollars for uncanny x-men 129 even though i want the first appearance of kitty pride you know uh, and that's what it is now it's that, going that, yeah it's that one's up. gone up yeah so, so my favorite is dark phoenix the the phoenix yeah, saga, the 101 that. to 137 there's run right sure. i actually screen shared if you see it at the bottom I actually have a dual triptych on my wall um, where I had uh, actually done it. It's uh, it's interesting because it's yeah. Just let's my take favorite. a look at this. Wow! So the top left is the birth of Phoenix, and that one's signed by Claremont. And then then it's all the way down around, all the way to basically the death. So it's her life cycle uh, that's that's uh, in it. And uh, you know that's my personal favorite. Uh, character of of all time as a matter of fact when my my wife and i met in college and she's older than me and she goes well when you graduate we're getting married and i said okay and she goes what are you doing with your comics and i'm like well is that a trick question what, what do you mean i don't know are they going you mean are they going in the hallway are they going in a closet what <laughs> Yeah. And, are we and, building on, on are we building on an addition to this house just so that we can right. have space for the goes, comics? Well, no, like your football cards, you're getting rid of them, right? And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. She goes, well, I don't think you need to keep them. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, if you can't let me have my comics, then you don't know me and, and I can't get married with you. And she's like, well, you're joking, right? And I'm like, not at all. <laughs> So I mean, Andy and I are listening to this and we're like, yeah, oh, Andy course, knows the you know. story. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. uh, so finally she was two years older. So she graduated two years before me. She moved to a place, got her job. I'm still in college. I gave her my X-Men comics and I said, read them. And that, that's what I said. And what we'll see what, what happens if, cause if she said, no, I'm not getting, because then you don't understand me and I've collected my entire life. Granted, I was very young back then, but you know, it was just awesome. So we were in a blizzard. I drove an uh, hour and a half to, well, two hours to go to her in a blizzard. I walk in, I brought my duffel bag in, set it down. I looked up in the bedroom and there was a gambit and a rogue poster facing each other on the wall. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> she goes, I read your X-Men. While I will never read comic books again, I fully understand why you collect them and these are amazing. So she goes, you can keep your comic books and collect them as long as you want. Nice. And we got married. 
uh, a uh, a wonderful uh, regular of our show, uh, a lady in the chat. Cam Egan says that's a dagger right in your heart. Probably that moment. <laughs> she's talking about the moment where it's like, well, what are you going to do with them? And yeah. uh, I think. You know, for uh, people who know, uh, I'm in the middle of moving. I'm doing this uh, in my wife's office in our new house. And right now in our new house, I talked about this uh, recently on another show. Uh, there in our living room are uh, 12, well, 15 <laughs> long boxes of comics that are in our living room because I don't have shelves set up in my office yet. And it's uh, outside back of the garage. I'm like, you know, water can very easily get in there. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think my wife loves it, but she understands why they're there. And yeah. uh, that's going to that's going to get me motivated to get the, the shelves set up uh, probably next week. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've moved across country with my comics. I moved from yep. New York to Los Angeles and uh, I had to ship some of them. And uh, there's a oh. couple boxes that got damaged, which that was like, oops. But uh, yeah, I, you know, the, the good stuff that I really want, that is always like in the in the safest spots. You know, I remember when I uh, when I like when I went to college, my mom tried to put my comics in the attic and I'm like, what do you know? This is just, I, I might as well have never saved them if you're yeah, going right. to. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you turn my bedroom into a sewing room, but you have to leave this this area over right. here. You know, so, uh, yeah. And, and I think that uh, everybody can uh, kind of relate. Uh, you know, a lot of people in our chat, uh, Dominica Saxon, I guess Mrs. Saxon got lucky with me only being addicted to buying new Harleys much cheaper than comic books. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have as many as you do, uh, as we're talking comic books, sure. But uh, it's probably the uh, the outlay of cash is about the same. Uh, Dennis, you talked about starting uh, X-Men in the in the mid 70s. Uh, is there a first book that you saw, you know, whether you saw it on, uh, for sale or maybe somebody you knew had it? What was, do you remember the first comic you read where you're like, I got to get more of this? Yeah. And it was an X-Men. Um, it was E-Man. It was uh, the old Charlton comics. And, um, you know, there, there were, that was the very first comic book that, uh, that I picked up. It was a superhero one. I was like, oh, this is really cool. E-Man equals MC squared. I'm a nerd. I'm like, that's really cool. <laughs> you know? So I was like, Hey, that that's in there. We used to go camping for two weeks up North every, every year. And they had a dime store and the dime store always had the spinner rack. So we would walk in there and find comic books. I would slap down my dollar or two and pick up a few books, roll them up, stick them in your back pocket. And then you'd walk back to, to the campground. You'd read them all night in the tent and stuff like that. But you know, E-Man, that was, my uh my my first one that i ever got and then when my dog went and ate all my comics that were in the back of the truck that time i had to go back and recollect it so which i eventually have done <laughs> i wonder if the dog felt like e-man tasted better than you know uh, other you know valiant or something from another imprint there, uh same question for you worse oh i'm sorry i was just to say there's a worse part of that story though do you so do you know on um Star Wars number one, it had the 35 cent price and the 30 cent price, right? Right, yes. And one of them, which one's worth more, Dennis, 35 or 30? Yeah, the 35 cent variant. And which, 35 and, cent variant. And the, does the diamond mean it's a reprint or what's the... There, there, there's, there's a diamond that were reprints on it that, that yeah. showed up um, that were on there, yes. But they did a 35 cent uh, variant of that book, yes. Andy, I just was hoping you weren't going to bring it up. So they I do a 35 cent variant of it, which is really expensive now. 
And uh, Dennis had a couple of those, and oh, his dog ate those too. Back when he oh he had one, and his dog ate that too when he was a kid. And I'm like, oh my god, because you don't know back then. The book no, just came out. Who knows? But now you're going that right. dog. So we had seen Star Wars. This is before Star Wars was Star Wars. It was a sci-fi movie. Sure. We'd gone to the theater to see it. It was really cool. I was like, wow, I really like this. We had gone to a friend's birthday party, and he also had seen it and loved it. And he goes, I want a Star Wars birthday party. Well, there were no napkins and plates and stuff back then because it was brand new. There wasn't a thing. They didn't even have really the action figures or nothing. So his dad was a traveling salesman. So there was a 35-cent variant, which we were unaware of at that time. And it was a limited market production that they tested out the higher price. I think it was in like Northern California. His dad, who was a traveling salesman, happened to pick him up. So the one thing that we all got for Star Wars was each on our plates was the Star Wars number one comic book. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's cool. I'm like, why is this one more expensive? It was kind of like, well, we didn't know. That's weird. Didn't It was not an issue. Yeah, my dog ate it. It wasn't until many years later because I replaced it with a local 30 cent issue that I was like, oh, that's a thing. Now it's worth <laughs> a lot more than what it was. Had I that's known, my golden retriever has been on my crap list for forever. Well, to be fair, uh, the don't blame the dog. It was presented on a plate. So obviously it made it look yeah. enticing. <laughs> it it uh, was well, actually presented in a ice skating box. Cause that's what we had read in the back to the family reunion on all my comics were in an ice skating box for oh, skates no. the dog chewed right through the box and chewed up every comic in it wow uh well uh, that actually ties into the first comic that i actually bought was uh marvel star wars it was issue 75 and oh. uh i was just like oh my god wait there's like ongoing star wars stories and that's like only a few months before return of the jedi came out and I was yeah. like, oh my God, I don't have to wait. I can see what's going on now. Uh, my brother had some comics, only from like a month or so before. But uh, I knew Spider-Man from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So uh, I also got uh, Peter Parker, the, the Spectacular Spider-Man, the long title, I think, 89. And then you start to realize like, wait, why are there so many Spider-Man comics? So I was like, I also like got Marvel Tales and Amazing and Marvel team up at the time. So uh, yeah, that, uh, but the actual first one I bought was a, a Star Wars comic. And uh, you know, in the months that followed uh, started uh, picking up X-Men among others. But I did have the same question for you, Andy. Do you remember the first comic that you read, whether again, it was at a store or you know, somebody you knew had it, you know, the actually like picking up and holding a comic. Oh yeah. Oh no, I, it was, uh, I, it was the same year as you, 1983. And it was Captain America 275. So Mike Zek, John Beatty on the art chores. Uh, I think J.M. DiMatteis was the writer. Yeah. And uh, that got me hooked on Captain America. I subscribed to it. So I got it in that brown paper sleeve every every month, squished into my mailbox, which I loved, uh, you know. And uh, that was it. I love that. So, yeah, I, I, I grew up in a somewhat rural area. There was like a, like a newsstand that uh, had comic, yep. but I subscribed as well. And uh, yeah, the brown paper and you just hoped that uh, it, it, the comic at least arrived in somewhat of a reasonable condition, you know, it, you know, it always showed up because we had, uh, so I got mine from seven 11 
uh, convenience yeah. store. But all the comics showed up. They were always, you know, not creased, but folded like this because we had the mailbox, which was the letter size. You know, sure. it's just a little bit bigger than a regular size letter. So you just open the thing and put it in so it would fit. They would just roll it and stick it in. Now, some were definitely creased through, but yeah. Eh. So, yeah, some of them had like a little indentation for however they printed that brown paper and then folded it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, only years later did I realize that uh, adult magazines also came in brown wrappers. Uh, <laughs> so I can only imagine what uh, what the 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 postman thought was going on at our house because there were so many. I mean, my, between my brother and I, we probably we probably subscribed to like, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks a month. So, oh, wow. No, I only at, at the peak at the peak we did you know uh but just because it was cheaper you know i mean that's yeah really i only did the there. one i nice. i really only i only did captain america even though i started buying more books like we all did sure. i only subscribed to cap and the only reason i did it was because as a kid and my daughter's kind of like this too you see your parents getting mail and you don't get anything and right. i just was like i want to get mail so I subscribed to the one book. So at least once a month, I knew I'd get mail. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we did that for uh, my seven-year-old. He started getting like, you know, highlights for children and Ranger Rick and stuff yeah. like that. It's like he wanted the mail. Uh, Joe Bernardo with this question. Is the Star Wars number one comic worth more because Star Wars number one has a green colored Darth Vader head on the cover? I thought they all had the miscolored helmet. Yeah, that's just the way that the printing had gone out on it. It's actually worth more because it's the thirty-five cent uh, variant. And right. uh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Well, we'll we'll move on from uh, from books and signing and things. But uh, Jeff Winstead, who is a great friend of the show, has a a, a, a great uh, comic out there himself called The Alternate. I asked Rick Leonardi oh, cool. to sign page 12 of Amazing Spider-Man 279 because there was a particularly awesome Silver Sable panel on that page that always stuck with me. Yeah, I get it. I mean, that's like I was talking about the Punisher number one, having Klaus Janssen sign, you know, underneath Frank's boot just because I'm like, well, oh, the signature is going to look cool there. You know, not thinking yeah. about, you know, getting it slabbed and putting it on a wall and what it would look like. But uh, just like when I'm flipping through it, it it's uh, going yeah. to look uh, particularly cool. Well, um, I want to uh, obviously focus on uh, some of the, the Marvel stuff that's uh, coming up this year. Uh, we're, a we're like two weeks away, literally to the day from when we're recording this, we're two weeks away from the release of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania. I've enjoyed the uh, Ant-Man movies. I think uh, Paul Rudd, when they say, you know, he's going to be Ant-Man, I'm like, uh, okay, I guess. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but he's perfect for the tone that they've set for the character. You know, yeah. and uh, I I enjoy whenever he shows he showed up in Avengers movies and all that. So uh, I'm excited to get to see Kang on the big screen. And uh, uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. I don't know that it's you know, I think that uh, there's probably more nervous energy about like, well, what's going to happen in Guardians three. So I might be looking to that a little bit more, but I'm excited about it. I enjoy it. Uh, I'll ask each of you guys, though. What's uh, something that you know is coming up soon from Marvel that you're uh, looking forward to? I'll ask you first, Dennis. Uh, movie or series or, you know, could even be a comic you're particularly excited about. What do you think that they have coming up in 2023 that you're most excited for about? For Marvel, it's it's going to be the uh, the Guardians. I mean, yeah. I, I, I've been a fan of, of the Guardians. So when they first were announcing, oh, we're going to do a Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, well, what version? Now, 
you know, that was my first question. Yeah. And I, I was going back to Martin X and some of the older ones. And I was like, oh, this is what they came up with. Kind of a mixture. I'm like, huh, don't know if I'm going to like this. Uh, it's not like the comics. And then when they released it, I was like, they took virtually unknown characters, made them funny, made it enjoyable. Yeah. And that's what it was all about. They have been right up there as my favorites. Two came out, and I'm like, I don't know if it's going to hold the candle to one. Yep, it sure did. So I'm, I've got high expectations for three. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, James Gunn was definitely the right person to set the the right tone. And yeah, I agree. Like those were not the characters. Like you know, Yondu's not even a Guardian of the Galaxy. He's like off to the side in those movies, and he was kind of mm -hmm. the one I remembered. Um, yeah. And Rocket Raccoon, I knew from his like standalone series in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't yeah. even think of him as that. Uh, what about you, Andy? What are you uh, looking forward to uh, from Marvel screens or otherwise this year? Um, well, one, I'll give you a recommendation just because I still have to get the code for it. I don't know if you've read this or not, Christian. What it? What is that? What Avengers? Is it's that? Avengers War Cross Time. It's the first. It's written by Paul Levitz. Okay. So it's the first thing Paul Levitz has ever written for Marvel, drawn by Alan Davis, who is one of my favorite artists. Yeah, I mean, this story. Uh, people, people probably know Alan Davis best from Excalibur. That's where I saw yep. his work. You know, he did Captain Britain and and some standout issues of X. I love Alan Davis's work, though. So yeah, this story takes place after the original Avengers number eleven. So in reading it as well, and you can even get that sense from the logo and stuff. It really yeah. is a nice silver age story. Oh, you know, that's it's because it, it, it takes place, I guess, between eleven and twelve. Right. you know oh that's interesting and yeah. kang is actually in it so that's probably one reason you know they they're doing it and putting it out but it's a really good s story with that silver age feel um in regards to the movies uh i i'm with dennis i'm i am looking forward to ant-man and the wasp for all for the reasons you mentioned i do like paul rudd kang it actually looks like a more serious movie compared to the first two so i think that's going to be cool but I think Guardians is is the one I'm really excited for because I like the chemistry between the, the actors and the characters. Uh, all the casting is great. You know, Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, Batista's yeah. right on. You know, I'm real curious to see how they pick up with uh, Chris Pratt in this version of Gamora that, you know, doesn't know who he is and stuff. So if they if their relationship gets back together or not. Cause the big thing about the movie, is, well, and also warlock too. I got to mention yeah. I love Warlock. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was going to be what I jumped in with was, uh, you know, I, we don't know what he's going to be like on screen because we haven't seen him yet, you know, other than, well, like, we've seen him in a trailer, but right, besides yeah, exactly. That, yeah. But to really yeah. see him interacting with them. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious. Right. About that. But so, uh, sorry, back to your other point. No, I was just going to say, so him as well, from the standpoint of just the casting, because we all remember that actor when he was younger playing these nerdy types because he was this skinny, dork-looking guy. And now look at him, <laughs> right. you know? Um, I mean, and it's funny because I can relate to that because, like him, skinny, nerdy guy. And then now look at me. I could be Warlock. So um, all I need is the gem. Honestly, that's it. We're brothers. But I think the big thing with Guardians is so many, you know, Batista's done after this movie yeah. so you want to see do they kill him do they leave it open because an actor says that but maybe a couple years down the road they back up a truck full of cash and the actor's yeah. like why not 
you know, and I, I don't, I, either I'm totally making this up or didn't Chris Pratt say this could be his last one too, or no? He did. I don't know if he said that, but I think that's the expectation is that he probably wouldn't do more Marvel movies, you know? I mean, because whatever that contract is, he can get more, you know? I mean, he's yeah. He's also done with, uh, allegedly done with Jurassic Park movies or Jurassic World movies, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think he's probably looking to do some other things. And that's my question about Guardians 3 is like, oh, any of them could die. I'm sure they won't all die, but they could really, you know, just close the book on a lot of these characters. I feel like Rocket and Groot aren't going to die because they can get different actors. Look, especially for Groot, let's be honest. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, but uh, for in terms of all like the humanoids, uh, yeah, any of them could be gone. Uh, I, I would hope that Mantis sticks around because I feel like we're just starting to get to know her. I was going to say, out of all of them, I think Mantis is probably the only one that is would be open to sticking around because, yeah. you know, and this isn't a slighter against her, but she's not, she's not a huge actress. I mean, we've all right. seen her in other things, but it's it's a part... Because Gar- Gar- I think we all can agree that Guardians of the Galaxy as a movie franchise is probably done with yeah. this version, at least. Right. So if there's other movies where they want to pull on these guys as cameos, even though Chris Pratt said he might be done. I mean, you can shoot a cameo depending on what it is in like a few days and get paid really well. So why not? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's like, you know, we were talking about Stan earlier. When Stan would do his cameos, he would do, like, you know, five of them or four or five of them over, like, a week or so. You know, they'd yeah. like fly him out to Atlanta and be like, all right, we can we can actually, you know, drop you into a couple of movies. Uh, here's how many weeks it would take. How much money would that cost? And, you know, a lot of actors have that price tag. You know, Robert Downey Jr. might not, but the rest of them probably do. Right. You know? Well, but Robert Downey Jr., I thought originally he was, he kind of had, maybe I, I, I didn't hear this, but I thought when everything first started, there was an ending for him as well in his mind. But yeah. then when he saw how well everything was doing, it's like, man, I'd be crazy to get off this because right, he was, yeah, the, exactly. he was the linchpin of everybody. Right. Yeah, know? exactly. And, you know, now that they've opened uh, multiverses and quantum realms, uh, you can bring back any actor as an alternate version. You can take them from a different point in time. So really, uh, we can get any, anybody uh, back at any time. It's just if the if the price is right. Look, Hugh Jackman, I believe, meant it when he said he was done. But then it's like, oh, but I could do a Deadpool. Yeah, all right. You know, that's probably all it took yeah. was, uh, was like, uh, how, mu- how much to do a Deadpool movie? Sorry, what would you say, Dennis? I said, if he gets a chance to work with his buddy, that's what he kind of wanted. And that was what they've always been talking about. But he was done. He goes, even after, you know, they filmed the Wolverine movie, he's like, I'm just too old for it. It's just too physically demanding. And then one last one. Okay, I'll I'll come back for that. (laughs) I mean, Logan made sense to have been the last one because, you know, the way it ended and the fact. But it's also like, yeah, yeah, but there's 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 no hard and fast rules. Uh, Dominica Saxon in the chat said that the uh, casting for all the Marvel movies and shows have been so well done. Paul Rudd was a great pick. Cammy Egan with this fact I didn't know. Did you see you can pre-order Scott Lang's Watch Out for the Little Guy book? Disney posted a link earlier this oh, morning. Oh, no, I did and not. I did it. not know that. 
And uh, I think I've, I've lost the comment now in the chat, but I think uh, Dominica Saxon, somebody said uh, you should get uh, Paul Rudd to sign that book. I mean, absolutely. You know, he should do book signings for it. I mean, you know, it seems like he'd probably think it's. Funny. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they've yeah. been talking about that and his podcast sort of in the background for a while. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, I, you know, even the, the Marvel movies that haven't been my favorite, uh, I've never walked out with the like pit in my stomach like I did after like the Joss Whedon Justice League, you know, where you're you're just like, oh, man, they really missed it. You know, there's and look, sometimes I the can... movie, uh, the characters I wasn't. Look, I think an Eternals movie was pretty much exactly what it could be because of where those characters sat with me to begin with. You know, yeah, I, I, I didn't hate them, but I, I never loved those characters. And to me, seeing an Eternals movie, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's spend more time with the Black Knight. I want to see him. You know, can we can we right. rush that movie? You know, because that's what I want. You know, well, that but was to- one of the ones, too, where like you're even when they announced it, Dennis and I were like, really? Eternals, you know, and I, I have, you know, I love Jack Kirby. I loved his original Eternals, but still, I was just like, you have so much more in your yeah. catalog. And did you throw a dart at a board and it hit Eternals? And you're like, well, the dart spoke. We have to do it. I mean, what? <laughs> so, because I was going to say, until you brought up the Josh Whedon Justice League, I was going to say Eternals was the one that I got out of. And I was just like, ugh. But if I'm comparing it to the Josh Whedon Justice League, yeah. I'd probably take Eternals over the Josh Whedon Justice League. There's only one movie that gave me the pit. I was so angry when I walked out of it. When I went and saw it, Andy already knows that he's shaking his head. I am. Green Lantern. When that oh. Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie came out, I, I, it was the, now the first half was good when it was dealing with his life and, you know, Carol and everything like that. But man, the moment he put on that the superhero fake suit and the worst villains ever, the the story writing was absolute garbage at the end. I walked out. I was so pissed. I walked in the comic shop and I said, cancel all my Green Lantern titles. Cancel. Matter of fact, you might as well just cancel DC because I'm done with them right now. I'm so angry. Green Lantern was one of my favorite in the DC universe. And that was the end of it. I walked uh, I walked away and I, I've never forgiven him and I can't. I, I actually forgot about the Green Lantern movie. I actually didn't see it in the theater. There was so much buzz to it. I borrowed a friend's Blu-ray eventually when it came out. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I waited on that one. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's a perfect example because obviously Ryan Reynolds, great actor, can do a superhero movie really well. But uh, he met his wife on that movie, you know. So yeah, I guess so there's at least there's so, that. You know, he probably looks at it a little bit more favorably. Although he did murder himself in Deadpool two because of that movie. Right, so he made up for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, well. Let us know in the chat if there were uh, superhero movies, comic book movies that uh, you walked out of uh, with that really bad feeling. Uh, I, I have a friend who walked out, literally walked out, and my friend Will Sterling that I do the black cast with. He walked out in the middle of Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, and I'm like, "Wow, that's t- that to me that that wasn't even close to the worst one." I mean, I liked it, no, and but I'm like walking out. I mean, I, I to think of the bad movies I've sat through all the way through, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever actually walked out. But I even you know, even if it had been like a bad, if if I had been watching the Green Lantern movie in the theater, 
I would have still needed to see how it ended, you know? Yeah, I've only walked out of one. And for the record, I own the Green Lantern movie. He is still my favorite uh, DC character. Yes, it's a bad movie, but that's why I call it a guilty pleasure. Because I didn't mind the costume, but I agree with Dennis on the story stuff. But um, uh, I walked out of, I think it was the first Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, yeah. That Forgot just, that. and that was, that was, uh, who, what Chris was, wasn't that a Chris, Chris that Hemsworth started that? Hemsworth. was the Huntsman. That's what and, I thought. It was Chris Hemsworth. And, uh, I gotta tell you, uh, halfway through it, it was, and this was the other reason I walked out of it too. It was a screening at a movie theater my buddy's at, works at. So when they do a screening for like employees and stuff, they're usually like 11 o'clock at night. Oh, okay. So it started at 11 most of the time I'm in bed by 1030. So um, yeah. it was already late. It was midnight, halfway through the movie. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather go home and go to bed than watch the rest of this movie. So that's why I walked out. Now, if it was eight o'clock or something, would I have? I don't know. But it just didn't do it for me. One so of the, out I when, you, when you get into that aspect of it, I, I went to a press screening for Battleship and um, there was free popcorn. So uh, I went out and got more popcorn. I was like, no, I'll stick around. <laughs> but yeah. that might be that might be the worst movie I've seen in in the in a theater. I didn't pay for it, but that is probably the worst movie I've seen in a theater. Uh, but even that one, I didn't walk out of. And I'm sorry, what were you saying, Dennis? No, I, I actually went to the press screener for Battleship 2. And it was it was really funny. We walked in. I'm like, wow, I, I like the special effects. It's Michael Bay. But I was like, wow, this is this is not good. But it's free. I'm here. There you is. Right. Yeah, so there's the something thing- about the free price tag. Yeah. Uh, Kemi Egan points out uh, she's looking forward to Quantumania. I'm super excited for Secret Invasion. I'm super excited for Secret Invasion because I'm like, yeah, I I know so little about the way that they're going to tell that story. Uh, I yeah. think it'll be great to have kind of a, an event series. I've really liked some of the Disney Plus series, but they've kind of all had sort of a self-contained feel to them, you know, like, yeah. So to have anything, you know, I mean, I guess. Uh, you know, She-Hulk had some cameos and guest stars and stuff. There have been a few that have they they've brought in some other people, but usually, you know, like Moon Knight, you could just tell us that that wasn't set in the MCU, and we'd be like, well, yeah, because there's literally like no reference to anything in that. Yeah, there was nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so I, I'm excited to you know that feels like a like the old you know I mean it's Secret Invasion, not Secret Wars, but sort of like the old like crossover like comic event, you know, where you're like, well, I got to buy the main book. And of course, the 20 tie-ins each month. And uh, I, I hope it has that feeling, uh, but, you know, not the price tag attached to it. Uh, well, so. Secret Invasion, I'm just wondering, they they obviously can't do the same twists that were in there because, you know, the main queen, she's not even been introduced in into the MCU here. So I'm going right. to be curious to how they're going to work it um, and what characters they're going to utilize. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and, and please keep uh, sending comments in the chat. Uh, we'll uh, get to them a little bit later. Uh, and uh, I will read uh, any comments that uh, catch my eye. I don't I don't hold out for super chats like some show. I'll read the real comments. That's fine. You don't have to pay me for me to read your comment. So please let us know what you think. Um, I do want to uh, transition to talking about uh, what something that you guys are working on. Uh, but first, Dennis and Andy, uh, how did you guys 
first get to know each other? I think, uh, you know, did you, have you worked together before? When did you first meet? I'll ask you, Andy. Oh, um, what was that? It's funny. They closed them down in San Francisco, but there are bathhouses here in North Carolina. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, they're not really closed down. You know, you oh. just have to know. You have to know a guy. Yeah. No, no, guy, that's not how we met. You have to know, but you, you do have to know him. Yeah. No, that, that, that's not how we met. Dennis is actually also a licensed masseuse, and I happened to get the short straw that day and not get a chick. No, no, no. That's not how we met. No, Dennis... Uh, Dennis was helping out a buddy at a comic shop in town and um, he would help out that one important day of the week, Wednesday, when new books arrive. So, and I like clockwork when books came out Fridays, I was there every Friday when it was Thursday, every Thursday, I'm there every Wednesday. So I would go in and we would just talk and stuff and we had the same interest in comics and movies and whatever. And this is like, you know, six, seven years ago. And, um, that, I mean, that was basically it. And then we just started hanging out and stuff. And, and, uh, like he said, he would set up at conventions as a dealer and I would go as a guest. So we started, you know, we'd see each other at cons and we just started hanging out. Um, and I mean, that was basically it. And then about, it's been like two years now since we started doing our, our podcast. So we still do that. And, yeah, and you uh, referenced uh, that you have a podcast earlier, so uh, please take a moment, let everybody know what it's called and where they can find it. Yeah, so I think Dennis posted the link in the private chat. Yep. Um, so you can share that. It's called the Dennis and Andy Show. We do it Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and we try to have a guest uh, every week, if not every other week, and the weeks we don't, we just talk comics. And then... Uh, so that's our live show that's once a week. And then we do uh, movie reviews. Now we're getting into doing them weekly. So we're actually seeing a movie tonight. And we'll do a pre-record review of a movie that's like, you know, 10 minutes long just to pop up. So people can just drop in, check it out, and, you know, decide if they want to see the movie or not. So we do that. And, and it, um, just any kind yeah. of movie, or do you try to have it be uh, comic superhero movies, or just any movie? No, it's know? anything. We've we've done in the past. We did. We just did Megan or M Megan, you know, the little robot doll AI thing. Right. We did that. We did the new, um, the new uh, Glass Onion Knives Out. Tonight we're actually seeing the new M Night Shyamalan uh, Knock at the Cabin. Is that it, Dennis? I always get the titles wrong. I think that's yeah, what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Armageddon movie. So, you know, we review movies that, that are in the theaters, also big ones that are on Prime or Netflix, stuff like that. Shows, you know, when, you know, we would review a lot of the uh, the Disney Plus, like the Marvel stuff that would come out there, um, sci-fi stuff. Um, so we like to do movies. Just anything. Reviews, yeah. And then comic yeah. books, you know, we do comic book reviews. Um, you know, and, and I do what we call quick flips on Wednesdays where here's the new comic. Here's a lot of the indie stuff. I do a quick flip through so everybody can see it. And sometimes they're like, wow, I didn't even know that was out there. And then run to your local comic shop type type of things. I'll do full reviews on them, unboxings. Um, we do comic calls when we go to conventions. So, you know, we, we do a lot of, a lot of different stuff, but it's all nerd related. 
Yeah, no, I think that uh, you uh, very, very accurately basically described the uh, podcast that I do called the Black Cast that we've been doing for 10 years. It's a little bit of everything. And uh, I think yeah. I think, uh, you know, I have the standalone show, Marvel Movie Talk, where we mostly talk about Marvel. Things spill in there sometimes. But uh, I think, uh, you know, it's it's good to not have just the narrow focus of it because, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see that Megan movie, but not enough that I could justify like, hey, I need to stop packing and moving and, you know, all the important things. It uh, is. So the, the, the wrap up quick review of that is it is worth the watch. It is not necessarily uh, big screen that you have to see it on the Which, movie theater by, screen. By the way, it's a, it's available uh, digitally now. Like that's a re- yeah. it was a really short window for a, a reasonably successful movie. You know, yep. usually a movie that flops, you can get it a few weeks later. But that it's movie still did it's well. still in theaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they've but they've um about but sequel. we yeah. uh so when we do our reviews, we go by. Uh, we like to say we CGC rate them. So the CGC is the comic book grading sure. systems, basically one to 10. So that's what we do. So I'm trying to remember. I think I think I gave Megan an eight. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember, yeah. Dennis? Yeah, I think we were right around uh, an eight, eight, five uh, for that. It was it's good. so much better than we were expecting. It was... It, it was a surprise. It, a good it's surprise. almost as good as Dennis's copy of X Men number one. Almost. So it's it, in that's that true. But yeah. Stan Lee yeah. didn't sign that movie. <laughs> no, Stan would have if if he don't. You know, I don't see why he wouldn't have signed it. Uh, so uh, let's take a, some time now to talk about uh, Core Draft, and I hope I pronounced it correctly. You I did. want to, you to explain how it came about that you guys are collaborating on this, and uh, also you know. Please take your time and explain to people how they can get involved with this. Okay. Uh, so I'm actually going to post the link in the private chats if you wouldn't mind sharing it. Sure, I will share um, The reason is because if you go to Indiegogo and you type in my name in the search box, you'll see my past campaigns. But for some reason, this one's not showing. And if oh, you type in Cordrath, it doesn't show either. So people really should use the direct link that you shared. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, all my career, I've been doing comics. You know, I started in 1991. I've done mostly superhero stuff. And, you know, about 10 years ago, I did a Red Sonja crossover with, uh, well, thank you very much. Kemi Egan says that's a badass cover. I agree. Thank you. Um, so so you did a, you did a recent Red Sonja. Uh, well, it was 10 years ago. I okay, did a sure. Red Sonja Claw. Claw is DC's Conan, except he has a messed up hand, and so he wears this glove. Right. So I did that crossover about 10 years ago, and uh, and then after that, I did a Claw miniseries. But that was my only real, you know, that was a total of 10 issues. But I really enjoyed drawing that genre, the fantasy barbarian type stuff. So after my uh the book before this which was my superhero book because i'm doing everything through astonishing comics which is my 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 brand my company uh i was telling dennis i said you know i i think i want to take a break from the superhero thing and do something different and we were actually driving to a convention and it was almost a year ago it's probably in march or april last year we were driving to a convention and this is when i brought it up to him saying you know i want to do something different I want to do something, you know, 
not strictly Conan, but fa but more fantasy based. And uh, Dennis's background really comes into play. Into he's huge into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, all the role playing games. He's read tons of fantasy novels. So he's very, very well educated in this stuff. And I'll admit, besides reading Conan comic books, that's that's my knowledge of it. So I I basically threw the idea past them of, you know, do you want to collaborate on on a new project with me? And, uh, you know, he said, sure. So I basically was like, cool, I want to draw a barbarian dude and I want him to have a sidekick which can either be a sister or it can be a girlfriend, but his partner in this, you know, has to be a, a woman, uh, you know, a strong female lead type character as well. So we hit both uh, aspects. And uh, other than that, uh, let me know what you're thinking. So, uh, so I basically let Dennis run with it from there. And uh, he, he built this world and, uh, you know, basically shot the rough idea of the story past me. And uh, we kind of went back and forth on it from there. And Kordrath is the story of Kordrath. That's the main character we see. And Adriana is his girlfriend, and she's a sorceress. And it centers around... Uh, the, it centers around what happens to... His tribe, because the world Dennis created ex exists in this place called the Shattered Reach, and there's 11 different tribes, but we're focusing on this book on three core tribes, which are the Red Lions, which is Kordrath. It's kind of hard to see, but he has a Red Lion tattoo on his chest. She comes from the Black Eagles tribe, and then the third tribe is the Anacondas. Um, there's this big bad guy, and you can... I'm giving no spoilers away. All of this can be found out on the Indiegogo page. Um, the big bad guy is a guy named the Necronite. And he's in search of uh, basically this. He's in search of these ancient artifacts. And what happens is Kordrath and Adriana are out on a quest for uh, the leader of his tribe. And when they come back after fulfilling what they had to do, they come back to his whole encampment. His whole tribe is just decimated. It's been overrun. Everybody's been killed and slaughtered. He's the last surviving member of the tribe. And now that's what sets them off on this new, uh, new quest or reckoning, as the title says, to find out, all right, who did this? Who's behind it? You know, we need answers, basically. So it's a hero's journey, but it has elements of Conan, elements of Game of Thrones, and Dungeons and Dragons as well. And there it is. Yeah, so you can find it at uh, in at Indiegogo. Uh, Andy Smith, just putting in your name, like you said, uh, it, it brings up some earlier ones. I, I remember that I, I backed a project called First Man a few years ago. Which, that was uh, before this, out, yep. Right? Yeah, but uh, we've got this one, uh, Kordrath, K-O-R-D-R-A-T-H for our, well, there's a hyphen, so I've already messed it up. K-O-R hyphen D-R-A-T-H. Uh, so if uh, if you want to find it that way, 
but uh, I'll also uh, post it on social media. And, uh, you know, I, I think people at this point are fairly familiar with crowdfunding, you know, how it, how mm -hmm. it works. There's always uh, different levels and things. And, and look at this. You've posted the first eight pages. Uh, well, no, actually. So so because it's not searchable. Right. I we created CoreDraft.com. So okay. if you click that link, it takes you to CoreDraft.com where you can oh, read the I first see. eight pages. Okay, so you can read it. Yep, I see it. it it's, a, it's a hyperlink. So yeah, read pages yeah. one to eight there at CoreDraft.com. And so you can see some of it here. And yep. uh, yeah, so people can kind of read about, you know, what they get. And what I always like about these, uh, you know, when you can get some uh, alternate covers uh, and uh, there's always the, the nice black and white one. Uh, so yeah, I think that, uh, people can definitely find it there. Uh, Dennis, uh, what are your thoughts about being involved in something like this? Well, it, it is kind of fun. Um, and it's exciting in a, in a lot of ways because my background is, is role-playing. We do short stories. I've been role-playing since like 1983, everything from Dungeons and Dragons to, you know, Boot Hills, Star Wars, uh, Earth Dawn, Robotech. I mean, everything, Star Trek. So we were we were going through it, but I have played, you know, D&D in every version of it consistently since the early 80s. And when Andy said, you know, I, I really kind of want to do a book like, like, like this, and he goes, I, I know you deal with it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can. You know, what, what, what do you want to draw? And we all know Andy draws phenomenal big, strong, burly men and incredibly gorgeous women. So I'm like, well, we don't want to do a story based on dwarves. We obviously want to do humans. And, uh, you know, barbarians really could do it. And they're a small part of it. But, you know, this is your first dipping your toe into this very immersive world. And then you start getting, you know, have to get introduced later on to other races and characters and interactions it's a completely different magic system than than what you're what you'd be used to in anything that's typical so yeah no one of the guys said uh, go said it gives me holy diver vibes yeah, i was so, literally about to put that up this cover is giving me dio holy diver vibes and I had the that. funny thing is every single person so on our channel we one of the other reasons we went this direction was we've been doing live streams for so long and in, in our stuff and we've got so many of our fans that are in there that like what we do. They're all role-playing fans. They like sword and sorcery, fantasy stuff. So, you know, I was like, it's just kind of a natural fit to do it. And then when we started putting this together, they were like, dude, that is so metal. Everybody started saying how metal it was. And hence why we wound up going, you'll see a little later, the metal t-shirt that we wound up doing. And then, you know, Bud Roos, Lilineth uh uh t-shirt and stuff like that but yeah it it really does have an awesome metal vibe to it and dennis also wrote uh one of the perks in the campaign that you can get is and you can get it separately and not even get the book if you don't want uh he's writing a game module in the vein of the old D D ones so it's an actual playable game too so, and the characters are also playable because they have their own stats and stuff that match up with, of course, what we're doing, but they also match up with other role-playing games. So if you want to play the characters with whatever, you can. 
Right. So, and uh, for again, for our visual uh, audience, uh, here is the uh, the reference to you know metal style t shirt. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I feel like it would definitely be right at home in a closet with a number of Iron Maiden or uh, Puss Head Metallica shirts, yeah. You know? So, yeah. uh, uh, it's a yeah, that's what we like to call a nice looking shirt. Uh, That's and right. I, I like that you also created a uh, the role playing uh, aspect for it. You know, uh, Dennis, you referenced role playing. Did you uh, like role playing enough that you did the? You know, there was the Marvel superheroes, and then I think DC heroes. They both had role playing games. Did oh, yeah. you uh, give? I yeah, still my have... bro- my brother and I used to do the uh, the Marvel superheroes one. Yep, I had uh, mine still from when I was a kid. I still yeah. have my original Marvel box set. Nice down on, on the bottom shelf down there. I had the DC one. I like the Marvel one better. Um, yeah, but you know the, the the Marvel one was great because it was percentile based, and you had the chart on the back that you had to roll to see if it was green, yellow, red. You know mm-hmm. that was just it was just a good classic first one. But yeah, love that role playing. Yeah, and uh, uh, again in the chat, uh, our Jeff, our friend Jeff Winstead pointed out. Uh, Andy, you working on Exo Man of War was barbarian adjacent, which I think is that uh, is true. If, if at any that point in true. my life anyone would ever describe me as barbarian adjacent, I think I would have accomplished something spectacular. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in high school, voted most likely to be barbarian adjacent. That's right. But uh, yeah, so it must be fun though, Andy, because like you were saying, you know, if you wanted to take a break from superhero stuff. This is uh, this is very very different, you know. So it must be fun to take on a genre like this. And you know, we've already talked about Star Wars comics uh, that you know Marvel had the license for that, and for a long time they had Conan and uh, Conan. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I get my Conan O'Brien confused with Conan the Barbarian. Uh, but uh, and I believe they have the license again. But I mean, I remember, you know, I I tried a little bit of everything at those point that point when I was buying comics and. My brother definitely liked uh, Conan more than I did, but that just meant I didn't have to buy it myself, you know. That's right. <laughs> just read his. But uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it was uh, there. They, you know, I mean, I think I think I got this actually also from Rob Liefeld's podcast. But the the license of Star Wars basically saved Marvel Comics in the mid seventies mm-hmm. because yeah. uh, it made them so much money that it was able to offset, I guess, all the money that they had lost. You know, and yep. yeah, and uh, Stan didn't want to do it. Yeah, that's yeah. A great, Roy yeah. Thomas had to talk Stan into it. Yeah, so. but at least at least when Stan saw the movie, then he understood. You know, he's like, right, right again. But yeah, and that that's an amazing approach to circle back to kind of where we started with that that Star Wars uh, adaptation, which first of all is a fantastic book. Unfortunately for them, there's scenes in there that end up not being in the movie because they did right. it so early. But I think the way it worked was that it came out. I don't know, because there's six of them. So it came out so that the last issue came out when the movie came out, which is not the way that adaptations would happen later. You know, you wouldn't give away the whole movie. You especially couldn't do that with Empire Strikes Back because there was the big reveal in the end, you know. Uh, But uh, and it seems so weird, the idea that, you know, Star Wars comes out as a comic book, you know, whatever, six months before the movie. And it's like, well, who's going to see that and buy it? Some people, you'll be struck by it because like, oh, I don't know what that is. That's cool. But I can imagine that that's probably a lot of the value for that number one, whichever price tag you have on it, uh, is because I, probably a lot of people didn't buy it at that point, you know, because I would they think that I would was. think so. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what? Uh, so 
so Andy, you were saying that uh, you didn't, you know, you did a, a Red Sonja series and you knew Conan a little bit, uh, but uh, are you finding anything about this genre that uh, maybe you weren't aware of now that you're actually involved in creating for it? Or maybe you, when you did Red Sonja, you were like, oh, okay, I've got to, you know, is there anything that surprises you about this genre as somebody that wasn't as familiar with it before? Well, from a drawing standpoint, I rarely have to pick up a ruler, so that's nice. <laughs> um, and, and it's true because, you know, some artists, when they draw a book, it's just, this is what I'm drawing, nothing changes, you know? And that's not a bad thing. You know, one of my favorite artists is a guy named Ron Lem, who had a long run on Silver Surfer in the oh, 90s. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, his Silver yeah. Surfer was uh, was great, that... That but, that Silver Surfer number one, the the Ron Lim cover is is great, yeah. But Ron is a Ron's a very he's I love his work, but whatever he draws, it's Ron Lim. He's like, this is how I do it, whatever. And for when I take on a project, I try to think, well, what's a good look for this? So for the uh, for Cordrath, I'm approaching the art style a little bit rougher. Because that's how I envision that world compared to First Man, my superhero book, which is supposed to be cleaner and uh, tighter because it's a superhero book. And, you know, if a good analogy is that when Jack Kirby drew Fantastic Four, he was also drawing Thor. But if you look at the two books, the anchor on Fantastic Four is a guy named Joe Sennett. Joe Sennett is a very technical, precise type anchor. And that's how Fantastic Four, I think, should look because it's a sci-fi, it's a New York City real world, world book, nice and clean and tight. The, the guy that was working with Jack Kirby on Thor was a guy named Vinny Coletta, whose work is very organic. And to me, that's how Thor should look because it's, it is mythic and fantasy-based. So that's, uh, that's one of the big things. I mean, another thing is because I'm not really from this world when Dennis is like, yeah, dragon this or ice giant this or whatever, I'll, I'll sometimes look at stuff, but then other times I'll just be like, well, this is what I see in my head and I'll sketch it out. And Dennis will be like, that's really cool because I come because he comes from the fantasy background and stuff. He's seen through different visuals, oh, Frost Giant or this type of dragon, whatever, whereas, you know, since I haven't, I'm just kind of going by little things I remember from movies or whatever. He'll be like, that's a really cool design that I wouldn't have thought of because I have so much of a memory catalog built up already, which is something I really don't, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It, uh, you know, I think that uh, not having that background might lead to, you know, some more unique creations because it's right. not like, yeah, this is what a dragon needs to look like. This is how big the wigs wingspan should be. This is a frost giant and all that. It's interesting well, it's what like, you're talking about in terms of, sorry, in terms of the inkers, oh, yeah. uh, different styles for Jack Kirby. Uh, there, the, you know, some, that makes a, such a huge difference. Like, I think to me, you know, John Byrne Inc. by Terry Austin is amazing. I love the way it looks. Mm -hmm. Me personally, this is only me talking. Never loved John Byrne Inc. himself. It just—I <laughs> don't hate it, but it don't—it doesn't—it doesn't, it doesn't right. hit me the same way, you know. Because it's just like there's something about the look, you know. His his FF Alpha Flight Superman mm -hmm. all that. I was like, 
and again, that's more of a testament probably to Terry Austin who makes everybody look great, but sure. Uh, and I, I never really thought about, you know, obviously uh, Jack was inked by different people on those books. And I'm like, Oh yeah, really? I never really thought about how they, there are, you know, there's a very specific Jack Ruby style, but it, there are the slight differences and not just, you know, when he gets older, it, there's differences even from that, uh, that era of it. But uh, I, I'm sorry. I feel like you were about to make another point. And uh, I, no, I was just going to, I, I was going to say that if you look at the core draft cover, one of the things that is unique is if, you know, you look at core draft, you go, Oh, yeah, barbarian. I mean, loincloth, big ax, whatever. But then you look at Adriana uh, behind them. And her costume design doesn't look like, to me, you wouldn't go, oh, yeah, that's in a barbarian type world. You know no, what I mean? I mean, honestly, I could see that having been something that Scarlet Witch tried out at some point, basically. You know, right. I mean, it's, it's and a very it's a very superhero world style costume, at least to me, now that you say. No, that. I totally I get it. And part of the reason is she comes from a different tribe. So when we introduce her tribe most of the people in her tribe will wear something along those lines, that design style. Whereas in Kordrath's tribe, they're, they're not all just wearing loincloths and bare chested. Some guys have like, you know, a leathery type shirt on whatever with no sleeves, but it's all along that design style. So that was one of the things I, I told Dennis I wanted to do in this book was, just not be typical. Well, it's a fantasy barbarian type book. So even in her tribe, it might not be loincloths, but it's going to be, you know, brown leathers and, right. you know, stuff like that. I was like, no, no, no. I want to do, you know, when I showed him her design, I know it, it probably wasn't what he was thinking, but he also really, you know, dug it. Well, so. Dennis, you might appreciate uh, Cammy Egan's comment uh, because we've I do. Seen I that did wall see in your that. House. I'm getting Jean Grey Phoenix vibes, which the 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 green regular Phoenix and the red dark Phoenix costumes are two of the best comic costumes that I can think of. Uh, so I I think I see that as very high praise. So thank you, Cammy, for seeing. There was thing. one stipulation I had if I said I was doing this book, and I said it's going to be a female companion. I said it'll be the girlfriend. There'll be star-crossed lovers, but I said, she's got to look like Jean Grey. I, I am going to do my homage to Jean Grey and my favorite character. So that is exactly, I appreciate that, Cammy, because that is exactly the feel that we wanted I, to have. I'm glad to hear that you went with the girlfriend instead of the sister, because I feel like that lends itself to better storytelling opportunities and, you know, not in the weird Game of Thrones way, you know? Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> if it was sister, then they'd be part of the same tribe and that would just kill that dynamic. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, there so, so many cool yeah. things. Well, the other thing I was going to say was, you know, when we were talking about making it different, you know, if I say to anybody who's in the chat, you know, orcs, immediately when I say that, they've already popped in their mind exactly sure. what they perceive an orc as. And as Andy and I were talking about it, we're like, well, we don't want orcs to look the same. Every orc should be unique. Every giant should be unique. Every dragon should be unique. They shouldn't be like little little miniatures that you go by. They're all completely unique. So when he's drawing them, like you can even see on that cover, you know, even on the skulls and stuff like that, everything is different. There aren't two creatures that look the same. Um, well, 
people can find it at uh, Indiegogo. And you just, you said that there is a Cordrath website. So Cordrath.com uh, could be yep. one way to find it. But uh, I'll post all that. So uh, hopefully cool. uh, we get some interest in that. And uh, I will let you guys go momentarily. Uh, there's two sure. more things. Uh, the first is uh, to get back to Marvel news for a second. The really surprise news that... Uh, Hulu is going to have a second season of Hit Monkey, which is a show that most people didn't watch. I had no expectation for, but I really liked it because it was funny. But there was like so much heart in it. Uh, my co-host uh, Eric Connor and I, we did a whole show about how we were we were so surprised by what Hit Monkey was. Obviously, a lot of it is monkey with a gun killing people. Sure, but there was so much more to it. And Jason Sudeikis as as sort of like the the human like anti-conscience, you know, that it's sort of the ghost on his shoulder uh, really made it for a different. I was shocked to read that there was going to be another season of that. I got to be honest, never heard of it. Yeah, it was supposed <laughs> so to be wait. part of it. There was going to be a Hulu slate. Uh, Modoc and Hitmonkey are the yeah. only ones that made it. They were going to do uh, also, uh, let's see, what was the other one? Uh, there, oh, Howard the Duck, Kevin Smith. Actually, oh, right, yeah. They, they, I, they at least wrote scripts. They So Kevin Smith was going to do Howard the Duck show. And then there was uh, Dazzler and Tigra, although I know some people say Tigra, mostly me as a kid called her Tigra. But of course, it makes sense that her name is Tigra. Uh, a friend of mine was going to do that show. Uh, but then they only did the two. And then just sort of the way that Marvel TV got consolidated, uh, Modoc wasn't happening for another season. Uh, we had the creator uh, Jordan Bloom on a couple of times. Great guy. Uh, he's moved on to other things. But uh, I was shocked to hear that they were doing more Hit Monkey. Um, I would say check out a couple episodes. They're only half hours. Yeah. Uh, you you might be surprised, but you know it might also be a little bit of exactly what you expect it to be. But uh, well, I like very, Jason Sudeikis, so that that's a selling point. It's, and it's, obviously, it's, it's animated. For I him, you know, uh, for, yeah. it's it's very different uh, than. Um, the soccer show that I just blanked and can't think of the name of. Oh my God. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Yeah. I was just like, I, I love that him. show. I could see him with the dumb mustache and I'm like, wait, what is the, what are those two words? I drive by a billboard for it in Burbank all the time. Um, but uh, so I wanted to make sure people knew about that. And uh, before I get to the final question, Daniel Drew wants to know, have I voted in the X-Men election? I voted for Dazzler. Michael Shirley voted for Dazzler. We both had Jubilee as our second choice. Um, I don't really dip into uh, current continuity X-Men very much, uh, but uh, that would be really tough. I love Dazzler, but I love Disco Dazzler. So if she's not wearing the the roller skates, you know, if she goes back to like the blue costume with the headband, I'm not, I'm not really not that interested. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Jubilee, you know, my, my, I've talked about Jubilee and that my, wife and her sister chinese american so they grew up watching the animated series they loved that there was yeah. a chinese girl on the team so uh i i i grade on a curve but they're basically the same character really dazzler and jubilee so it's almost like which one are you picking so i don't know that uh i'm i'm gonna uh take time to vote but uh i i, I like both of those characters for sure um, but what I wanted to talk to you guys about before we wind up, um, there was a very extensive announcement uh, from James Gunn and Peter Safran. We're going to stop talking Marvel. We'll actually talk about the other side of the fence. We'll talk about DC for a moment. And I just wanted to let each of you uh, pick one thing that you're particularly excited about. Judging from early in our conversation, I feel like you're both excited for any kind of do-over with regards to Green Lantern. 
Um, but uh, I'll ask you both. I'll ask you first, Dennis. Uh, from that announcement, is there something that surprised you? Uh, is there something that you're particularly excited about? Uh, what were your thoughts? And if you're excited, really excited about two things, it's okay to say two. Well, Swamp Thing was the only thing that just that that hit me, and I was like, finally, yes, we are Kevin getting very excited about Swamp Thing. Yes, I was very excited to hear that the. The majority of the announcements, I could sum up in one word, meh. I mean, <laughs> nothing really was like, oh, because Tom King's really the force behind it. And the Tom King stuff, I really feel, has been some of the weaker stuff. The Supergirl vision that they're going with was by far some of their weakest stuff. And I, I was surprised by that. So then they get to swamp I'm going to interrupt for a second. Long. Have you have you hacked my phone? Because I had a text conversation yesterday that basically every word you just said is the the you know Tom King really and you know that Supergirl really you know the, yeah I, know. I, I I I not only do I agree but I won't divulge who's on this text thread with me but there were a couple other people that that's really what they thought. I was like, what are they doing? You know. Give them yeah. the thumbs up for me because I yeah. was like, so then they announced Swamp Thing at the very end. I think it was the yeah. last thing. And I went, oh, finally something to get excited about. And then he goes, but, you know, it's not going to be part of the DCU continuity and we'll just label everything that's not as Elseworld. And, oh, so while it'll be cool to be Swamp Thing, it's not going to be a part of all the rest of the stuff that they're trying to put together. So I was like, all right. Even that, they just took a pin and just kind of put a little hole in that one. So I'm still excited about Swamp Thing, but honestly, the rest of it, especially with Cavill not being Superman and Gal Gadot not being, uh, you know, Wonder Woman, and they're keeping Ezra as Flash, and I'm like, eh, you know, I expected a really big, huge announcement that was going to be exciting, and yeah. I didn't well, quite get it. I you know, they've still got a lot of money sank into that. Uh, and I do mean sank into that flash movie. So they have to have Ezra Miller, but, uh, uh, you know, I have a, a very close friend who hopes that they use this opportunity to bring uh, Wally West in as the flash and just, uh, you know, say goodbye to Barry for a little while, let Barry live on TV, uh, for however many more seasons they do that show. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, and you know, I mean, I think that, uh, I guess they wanted to, people to rest assured that they'll still be, you know, more of these Matt Reeves, Batman movies. Mm -hmm. I just wonder which Nirvana song he's going to play too many times in the next one. But, uh, you know, there's, there's some good ones, yep. uh, you know, so, uh, but, uh, what about you, Andy? Uh, as we wind things down, what, what you stood know, out to you? Good, bad, and different. You know, what stood out to you from the DC slate? Um, so real quick, the flash TV show, this is its last season. So okay. when it debuts in a couple weeks, it's over after I think 13 episodes. Okay. So anyhow, um, you know, the funny thing, the one thing about the video that stood out was how much he was like, and the Flash movie coming up is going to be the linchpin that reboots everything. And I'm like, you weren't even part of DC when this Flash movie came around. It's literally like trying to just, you know, repaint an old car or something. Because he also did that with Aquaman, which is like, dude, Aquaman was pushed a year. So, okay. But I am with Dennis. I as I perked up with Green Lantern and uh, Swamp Thing. Green Lantern because he did mention Hal Jordan and John Stewart. 
So I like that. It's nothing against Jon Stewart, but I grew up with Hal. That was always my guy. So if it was just Hal standalone, I would have been fine. If it was Jon Stewart standalone, I'd still watch it, but I'm glad it's both. I just hope they do the costume justice. And, um, and then, you know, I love Swamp Thing. I thought the TV show was actually really good, and it's a shame that it got canned after the one season. Um, I don't, I guess with the whole Elseworlds thing, it doesn't bother me as much because it doesn't mean that they can't pull in other characters because right. it's it would be Elseworlds. But I I wouldn't expect them to pull in a Batman or a Superman or a Wonder Woman anyhow. I would expect like Swamp Thing, like the majority of the book was, it would be a Constantine, you know, characters like that. Yep. So I think they can do, and it's a movie, it's not a series, TV show. So I think they can actually do a pretty good job with the movie just exploring that part of the DC universe and pulling in those other type characters from it. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I think the idea of being part of the bigger universe, part of the continuity, just kind of gives more opportunities. I thought that the uh, the Sandman show was well done, but it sort of was lacking, you know, what you got from the pages of at least that first volume of the first, like, 20 issues or whatever, where you're like, oh, this is actually in the DC universe. You know, you right. had John Constantine, not his great-grandniece or whoever – uh, the the actress who was Clara on Doctor Who played you know a different Constantine like a oh, Joanna right. Constantine so you know they found ways around it uh, but uh, it's like it's more fun when you can actually you know have all the toys in the sandbox I mean you know that's the big argument on what the you know the MCU has continued to be up until now oh yeah is, uh, it was always fun when you know Spider Man runs into Daredevil or the X Men or you know and it it wasn't being done for you know a multi book tie in event like I was talking about just well this story makes sense let's let's have the them run into the X Men because uh, you know of, of what they're doing or whatever so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what they end up doing uh, in terms of uh, all of that but uh, yeah I think uh, I think uh, James Gunn showed with uh, Peacemaker that uh oh yeah you know, he, I, I thought that was phenomenal i loved that it show it was a very hard show to talk people into watching by the way but i was like no the seriously. vigilante I, I tell you the vigilante stole that show too i agree yeah the, the, vigilante was fantastic. the soundtrack to that show is what stole it for me what were yeah. you gonna say dennis i was all in on eagly <laughs> yeah oh yeah too, eagly was great and and the people learning that eagly wasn't a real eagle was uh that'll tell you how great the bfx team did there yeah look i think uh you know james gunn's uh i think his intentions are in the right place we'll see i don't i literally know nothing about peter safran but uh you know i think james gunn when we know what movies he's actually going to write and or direct i think uh that'll help understand what it is uh we'll see what well, he they did do, say but... he's writing superman oh that's right he did yeah. say he's writing yeah. superman yeah so uh his take on a, on any iteration of superman at whatever you know age he's at i think uh, will certainly be worth checking out so uh we'll see what they do with all that but uh obviously in the short term uh we'll be back next thursday uh, our old pal Zia Anderson will be joining me. I uh, bullied her into it because it's the day after my birthday. So I was like, you, you oh, basically nice. have to come. But uh, I want to thank you both for uh, taking the time to uh, be here on the show. But uh, oh, let's yeah. give one more plug to the Indiegogo for Core Drath. 
and let people know where they can find your podcast and each of you on social media. Andy first. So Core Draft, go check it out. Uh, support it. Uh, your guys' support means the world to us because it's literally paying us to produce this book for you guys. I'm at Andy Smith Art pretty much across the board, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, on YouTube. My channel is Andy Smith Comic Artist. And uh, I do a live stream once a week talking comics or I might be drawing or whatever. And then uh, Dennis and Andy show and Dennis can uh, throw that one out there. Yep. If you go to YouTube, you can just type in the Dennis and Andy show and you'll see a picture of both of us. I've got my cheese hat on because I'm a Packers fan and he's got his cowboy <laughs> hat on. And I, I mean, what we can say about taste. So and on oh. Facebook, Dennis Turner, you'll find me. You'll see me. And then um, on Twitter, I'm at Dinges Comics. And, uh, yeah, let me know. I get a lot of feedback from everybody. Um, all the archive on the Dennis and Andy show stuff, all the reviews, all the unboxings that we do, everything. It's right there. It's everything's archived. I had been doing uh, some unboxing slash unbagging stuff during the pandemic because it was like I you know, had to have something. And uh, I have boxed and reboxed so much stuff in the last few weeks with the move. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to do it again because uh, there's so much stuff that I forgot I had, you know. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's fun to get to show that stuff off. And uh, I will do one where I show off the very, very middling grade uh, Amazing Spider-Man 121 that I referenced earlier. Uh, how, Dennis, have you posted uh, images of your X-Men number one? Can we find it uh, on your Twitter or something? On the Twitter, no, but if you give me one second oh, here. We'll keep the show going just for the sake of uh, getting That's the, right. Tammy Egan says we wouldn't get along with football. She's a Bears fan, but that's all oh, right. Well, well, well uh, Cammy, did you know that in the 2018 season of the Bears, the Monsters of the Midway, where all the a lot of the players were drawn as uh, superheroes and stuff, I did the art. So if you saw that stuff, uh, it's me. If you never saw it, just go to andysmithart.com and scroll down, and you can see the Chicago Bears art that I've done. And Cammy, yeah. we've got a, I've got a lot of friends that are Bears fans. It's always a good rivalry. And then I even <laughs> have a few that are Cowboys fans. You know, less so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I just popped, uh, I just shared the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see it down there. So uh, so here you are uh, with it, and that's, so that's its original grading. That's the, the 9.0. No, that's grade. after oh, Stan. That's, that's after Stan. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is what happens when I do the show without my glasses on. Yep, that is an 8.5. <laughs> and see how, how it was the new marker? Because I'm not kidding. If, I, if I'd show you the other ones, it was silver markers, and they were the big, thick ones, and it didn't right. look nearly as good. They literally did when they told me that. I'm like, it, it turned out great. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, obviously just the image. He's not sharing the book with anybody, uh, even his kids as he established. Andy, Dennis, thank you both so much. I really thank appreciate you. you taking the time. Uh, best of luck with Draft. Looking forward to uh, seeing more. We will see you next time yep. on The Black Cast.
thank you for listening to the Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on The Bladcast. Lobang is when you suck a bunch of dudes' dicks. No one's going to see this anyway, so I can admit this here, right, Christian? We're closed. See you guys next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.